0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual,
1: and you don't even have to search for him, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. You know, I feel so dirty when they start talking cute. I want to tell her that I love her, but the point is probably moot. Okay, well, I'm going to try to puzzle out what that
0: is actually doing with this subject.
1: Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Sorry, I spoiled it for you. (sighs) But today we're going to talk about, we decided we're going to do another kind of series, and if if you're... If you're aware of our series, you know that we do these sporadically. Um, but we we like there's certain series we like to do where there's a lot of stuff on a particular kind of subtopic in tech. Yeah, and we think, oh, that'd be great to tackle that. But we there's no way we can do one episode that covers the whole topic, right? It's just too big.
0: Right, and and for those of you who have been with us for a long time, and you you hear us launch series, and you go, yeah, but you don't. Come back. It's because we we think of these lists of stuff like this and then we go, oh, we just did two on that. We should wait a while.
1: Yeah. And then so and then, so we'll have to get back to like yeah. the the two series we need to get back to sooner rather than later are our electronic series and our um, medical series. Because we've had requests for both of those. So we will go back to those. But in this case, we're talking about tech rivalries. And we've talked about some tech rivalries recently in the podcast. Like we've had podcasts that were recently talking about Edison and Tesla. And that's one of the most famous rivalries in technology uh, in all of history.
0: Yeah. The the funny thing about when we talk about companies, which we're going to do today, is that in a lot of cases, uh, some of these companies are sort of frenemies, yeah. you know, friends
1: and enemies. Sort of, they might have a history of working together as well as working at cross purposes.
0: Actually, come to think of it, I guess Edison and Tesla did work together for a little while. But, but anyway.
1: But yeah, they <laughs> they were more enemies than frenemies by the yes, end of it. Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk today. The tech rivalry we're specifically talking about is Google versus Pretty much everybody else. Yeah. In fact, in a way, this could be a part one of Google rivalries with other companies because truly Google has had – it, it's got its finger in a lot of pies. Yeah, actually the, the, the funny thing is that the one we'll probably end with
0: is – the rivalry that just sort of popped up and made us think of this and it's not somebody we necessarily would have thought of as being or at least I would have thought of as being a competitor with Google. So right.
1: well, let's start with the
0: obvious. Yeah, ones. So
1: w- from a consumer standpoint, like a, a customer, like a, an end user like me or or like Chris, to us Google is a search engine. Yes, chiefly. I mean there are all the other things that Google does as well, but if I say I'm going to Google something, that means I'm going to search for it. And, uh, and I mean, there is a verb now for Googling. So that shows that Google really has dominated this whole section of the internet. Yeah, now, the marketing department would probably, their marketing department would probably disagree that it's a
0: verb, but they probably secretly are going, yes.
1: Yeah, I would imagine. So the, um, so the, the, the first rivalry we wanted to talk about was with Yahoo. Yes. You know, another big search engine. And in fact, was a huge search engine back in uh, the nineties. Yes. Well, sort of. It, uh, I would argue it was enormous. It was only after the dot com crash that it started to really have to, it, it, it really, it t- took that hit pretty hard, although it survived, obviously, as opposed to some of the other uh, companies. Now, it then built up quite a bit again, only to start suffering again in the late 2000 era.
0: Well, I, I don't want to, uh, to put it down as a search engine, but I don't think, yeah. um, okay. Yahoo's existence predates Google's. Yes, by um, by a few years. Yeah, and when when Google made the scene, Yahoo was at least one of the search leaders. There were others like Alta Vista and mm-hmm. um, uh, Hotbot, which actually used a different engine. Web crawler. Yeah, and so there were a lot of them. But Yahoo, um, at the time, they were, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure they were using a lot of human based power. But the thing is, they were sort of leveraging that. Now, if you think about Yahoo right now, it's sort of a content engine. Uh, they have a lot of, of uh, material that they create, editorial content or license from other people. Right. And they were sort of doing that. They were sort of contextualizing search. Like if you were looking for something in particular, they might tell you, uh, you know, promote somebody that they had worked with and say why it was that you might want to pick them. It wasn't necessarily a strict search result, although you would get search results.
1: Yeah, the um. Uh, that sounds weird. They were kind of a web portal.
0: Yeah, they really were.
1: So you think of it, it was sort of a a combination of the 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 search engine, the the internet search engine, and so almost like the online service providers we talked about in previous episodes. Things yeah. like the old days of AOL and Prodigy. It kind of had its own sort of portal into the web that wasn't all inclusive, but gave you a good spread of information across various topics so that you know you, you could at a glance on one page see some interesting headlines and that might be that might be the extent of your experience using the internet back in those days well people didn't necessarily know I, I worked in a in an ISP an internet service
0: provider in the mid-1990s and there were a lot of people who would who would call our phone number I worked in sales for a bit and people would call and ask you know I, my Son or my daughter told me I need to get an internet account so I can send mail messages. What is this internet thing, and and right. what do I do? And the thing is, people didn't really know what a URL was back right. then um, because they were being introduced to it. It was a, sort of a new concept. The internet had been around, but it wasn't always a consumer, uh, you know, service,
1: and it wasn't necessarily user friendly. I mean, this was built by engineers. Yeah, and so I love you, engineers. I love you all. Yes.
0: But that doesn't necessarily mean that people knew where they were going on the World Wide Web. I mean, right. the World Wide Web was only, uh, you know, a few, a couple years old at that point, a few years old. Yeah, Yahoo! So.
1: Yahoo launched officially as a company in 1995. Now, it actually grew out of a a, a service that had existed before that. But in but in 1995, it became Yahoo, mm-hmm. and then they launched Yahoo Mail in 1997. Uh, it sort of became a web portal. They purchased GeoCities in 1999, which yeah. was a you know a web page hosting service, yeah. which now no longer exists, but was, it was big for a while and it, it organized web pages into neighborhoods. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. was, it was an attempt to make the web more, uh, user friendly and understandable to the common consumer by, yeah. by relating it to concepts that the consumer would already be familiar with. So Yahoo was really doing a lot of work in this area. Uh, and then they had the dot com bubble burst in the 2000 2001 era. Right around 2000, Yahoo began to do something interesting. Mm -hmm. Yahoo began to use the search algorithms, uh, licensing them from another search engine company. And that search engine company was Google. Yes. Now Google, uh, they registered Google.com in 1997, but the company itself officially launched in 98. So it was late to the game compared to Yahoo. But Google's service was, uh, considered to be one of the best on the web. For one, Google was able to index millions and later billions of web pages. And it had a very stripped down, simple user interface. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same as it is today in the sense that you go to www.google.com, you're going to see the Google logo. You're going to see the search bar and then you just type in your query and you hit search. Plus, there's other stuff there too, but it's not much, right? They kept it really stripped down and simple. And so that was Google's philosophical difference between uh, you know from Yahoo's point like Yahoo's strategy was web portal throwing as many services there try and be as useful as possible and be the destination for fee- pe- people on the web that they will get their web content through Yahoo yeah didn't you write an article about that about what the google algorithm yes i did i wrote an article about what makes the Google algorithm so important? And in fact, Yahoo recognized how important the Google algorithm was. And so, again, in 2000, they started to work with Google. They began to use the Google search engine technology on Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Now, Yahoo, of course, was really concentrated on building up that web portal aspect of their business at the time. And they used the Google algorithm till about 2004. Right. And that's when Yahoo – Ended that relationship with Google and switched to an in-house developed search algorithm.
0: Right. Uh, so. So they're back doing their own search
1: at that point, because then you've got another element that comes into play a little later. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, so you then you have started to have this this rivalry in search between Google and Yahoo, a true rivalry as opposed to the kind of weird. Semi rivalry when you have one company competing against another company that's using the first company's technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just kind of, you know, it's hard to get, get your mind wrapped around that. Well, in 2003, Yahoo bought a company called Overture Services. Ah, yes. Now, uh, then in 2004, Yahoo levied a huge patent lawsuit against Google that said that Google was, uh, was using technology based on patents filed by Overture services, which Yahoo now owned Mm -hmm. and purchased the year before Mm -hmm. it all hinged on online advertising, which is the way Google makes most of its revenue.
0: Yeah. And Yahoo also makes quite a lot of revenue. on So really
1: if if you ask, if you ask an entrepreneur what Google's business is, they're not going to tell you it's search engine. They're going to tell you it's online advertising. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and and the you know you yourself you the user are the commodity right. Then the advertising is the way it generates revenue. So this was a big deal. I mean, Google depended on and still does depends on online advertising for money. So a lawsuit that could potentially, uh, well throw a, a monkey wrench into the works uh, as far as online advertising goes was a, a huge problem. Well, eventually they settled. That hmm. lawsuit and uh, Yahoo was granted a perpetual license to use these, these technologies to Google. And Google in turn gave some stock to Yahoo, uh, Google stock to Yahoo. Actually, the two companies own stock in each other. Um, it's kind of interesting, but hmm. one wonders if perhaps Yahoo maybe folded a little too easily because since then Yahoo has had some. Problems uh, to the point where they've had massive layoffs, and the company itself has been devalued massively over the years. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And there's been some very highly publicized political struggles within Yahoo uh, over the, the last couple of years as well, and, and a lot of struggling at the executive level at Yahoo. And so uh, then you've got a point in 2008 where Google and Yahoo had reached an agreement in which Yahoo could use Google advertising on Yahoo pages. Mm-hmm. So again, you've got like this weird relationship where they're kind of competing against each other and then they're kind of you – Yahoo know, wants to depend on this? Well, I mean this is all good news for Google because they're going to get money using their – you know licensing out this this advertising technology. But there was one little tiny problem. Oh, yeah. The United States Department of Justice said that this smacked of uh, monopoly as far as advertising on the Web goes. And so they struck it down through antitrust laws. Yeah. So this agreement never came to fruition. Uh, and then uh, eventually you get to the point. Where we reach today, according to Business Insider, the, the the most recent figures I could find for the market share for search mm-hmm. has Google with 65.7% of all online search.
0: All uh, the world around?
1: Yeah. Okay. And Yahoo, 15.7%. Okay. So, and then you've got, you know who's in third place? Yes. Bing. Bing. 13.9%. Now, Google is more or less plateaued. Mm-hmm. it it hasn't really gained or lost a significant percentage of that market share in quite some time. Yeah. It's it's kind of lost a little bit but not a whole not a lot. Yahoo has been in a very very slow gradual decline. Bing has been in a climbing uh, pattern and Bing is starting to steal some search traffic or search uh, market share from both Yahoo and Google. Yes. Um more Yahoo than Google really at this point. And that actually kind of is another interesting point because you know Microsoft and Yahoo entered into a ten-year uh, a agreement not too long ago, in which uh, Microsoft gets full access to Yahoo's search engine for the ten years. This was related to uh, to Bing to be able to use the the technology that Yahoo had developed to help bolster. The Bing search engine. It doesn't mean that Bing is completely based on Yahoo's search engine technology, but it may partially be based upon it. Right. And if you run a search
0: in Yahoo now, if I'm not mistaken, you will get uh, a Bing Yahoo powered search.
1: Yeah. So So, 10 year partnership that was signed, by the way, in 2009. So that would end, of course, in in, uh, another few years. Yeah. Microsoft's
0: live search product had been floundering Uh, compared to some of its competitors, most notably Google. Um, You know, you wouldn't necessarily think that Microsoft and Google would be competitors. I mean, Microsoft makes operating system software, productivity software, you know, some electronic devices, the Xbox, the Zoom. Hey, wait a minute. What?
1: So does Google. Google creates an operating system called Chrome OS and Google has a suite of productivity software called Google Docs.
0: Yeah, this is, this is a rivalry I think is heating up. Yeah. And this wasn't around – I mean when you were talking about just a couple of years ago, that it wasn't necessarily a rivalry. This is yeah, something that's cropping up now.
1: There was a rivalry as far as search goes because, of course, Microsoft had Microsoft Live Search. Right. And then there was a rivalry in web-based email as well because you had Hotmail, Hotmail. and Live Mail accounts through Microsoft. You had the Yahoo Mail accounts through Yahoo. By the way, Yahoo actually – totally redid their their mail system after Gmail launched. Yes. Because then that's the other one. You've got Google's Gmail. So you've got these three different, uh, or technically four, if you talk about live mail versus hotmail, uh, four different web email-based services. Uh, I, I know just anecdotally talking with other people who are in the tech industry, tech journalists and, and such, they get surprised when they see an email from a hotmail account at this point. Yeah, because everyone thinks of that. At least when I say everyone, like all of the people I talk to, yeah, uh, think of that as like the spam account.
0: Yeah. Um, and uh, my my spam box filled up pretty quickly in Hotmail, and I hadn't even given it out to people, so yeah. I guess they're just blanketing everything there. Um, so yeah. Uh, being launched in the summer of 2009. Uh-huh. So it's really not even all that old. As the time we're recording this. It's less than, just less than two years. Yeah, it feels like it's been forever, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, actually. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people were skeptical. I mean, Google's had a... Uh, uh, sort of an iron grip on the search market
1: for years uh, but then bing started eating into google's market share yeah when um, you think about it two years to go from nothing to 13.9 percent of the market share of search that's enormous yep now granted you could also argue that bing is sort of the 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 stepchild of live search in which case you would have to look at the the market share that live search had and compare it to what bing has now but that you know, beside the point. Yeah, really.
0: yeah. Uh, I've I've heard generally I'm when I've used it, it's been a pretty good search engine, yep. and um, a lot of other people seem to feel that way too. I have seen critic critical praise mm-hmm. for Bing, um, but yeah, all of a sudden now, uh, Microsoft has completely retooled its search, and not every company has the pockets deep enough to just go let's start a new one from scratch. Yeah, uh, Microsoft obviously does, and uh, you know now. They're competing on that front. And then, as you pointed out, um, Google decided it wanted to get into the productivity software business as well. Mm-hmm. And this has caused Microsoft to react because, well, actually, Google sort of acquired a series of they, – they had their own. And then they sort of acquired a series of independent cloud-based tools. Now, cloud, of course, is the Internet um, you use these these uh, pieces of software in your web browser yeah. online. Uh, the documents are stored online in general, although with Google Docs you can upload uh, files.
1: Yeah, and you can uh, also have – with Google Gears, you can have offline capability as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: but yeah, at the time, it may not have looked like it was an indirect competition because that functionality wasn't there. You had Microsoft Office, which uh, as many of you know is a well, well-entrenched uh, productivity suite that includes presentation software and a spreadsheet document. Uh, creator and, uh, and an email client, uh, the Word, which is the uh, word processing software, and, and depending on the package you buy, it will include other different pieces of software. But those are the the biggies. Um, and Google Docs, Google acquired, rightly, they acquired a, um, a presentation program mm-hmm. um, and and several others. And then you wouldn't necessarily. Okay, so you got the one that's based on your hard drive, which is Microsoft, and you got the one that's based online, and they're compatible, uh, well, you know, not such a big deal. Well, then Google up the ante. They said, let's go ahead and add offline functionality. Yeah. So now you can download document or, you know, work on stuff offline. You can upload it back to Google Docs. So Google counters by, you know, with... Uh, Microsoft counters. Or, I'm sorry, Microsoft counters with its own online version of the Office suite. Yes. Which has... Actually, again, gotten some critical praise. I've seen some po- reasonably positive m- remarks on it.
1: And the, the, one of the big benefits of the Google approach was that it really created new opportunities for collaboration mm-hmm. because you could share documents across multiple users and then collaboratively work on projects without having to create new copies of a document. That was the big problem with the old offline system was that if I wanted to work on a document and I wanted Chris to be able to work on it too, I would have to I would have to send him a copy of it and I would work on one instance of that document on my computer. He would work on another instance of it on his computer and then we'd have to recombine the two, which was always kind of a messy way of doing things.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it could mean that Perhaps we both made changes to the same section and then how do you incorporate two different sets of changes for the one part of that document? Uh sharing it online meant that everyone was working for the same master document and that, you know, you still have issues that you run into there if you have two people trying to edit the same section at the same time. Mm-hmm. But you can see it in real time or or close to real time and uh and tell the person, hey, knock it off. I'm working on that right now. Yeah. Then you can review it and you can make changes. So it made that a little more of a smoother process. So yeah, there's definitely a, a rivalry between Microsoft and Google. And it does go beyond just the, the uh, productivity software and even the operating system. Cause like we said, Google's launching Chrome OS and that's really starting to look kind of interesting. I don't know. I don't know that's going to get widespread adoption, but Google's putting a lot of muscle behind it. Now keep in mind. We've seen Google push other products really, really hard only to have to eventually give up on them. So there's no guarantee that Chrome OS is going to be a huge success. But they're not sparing any expense in trying to make it one. No, and they're not above defending their turf, as we
0: saw earlier in 2011, with the uh, accusations flying back and forth between who's stealing whose search results, between Google and Bing. But there's another front, too, we hadn't talked about. You know, Windows has been making an operating system for PDAs and later phones, smartphones for years um you know windows just came out with a new version of its operating system for phones which again uh seems to be getting some reasonable success but it's hard because they already have uh google already has its android operating system which is on millions of phones worldwide yeah and they're also competing on another front with that which is with another company that creates smartphones
1: yes and that would be apple yes like uh, there are other companies, of course, that do create smartphones. We're not forgetting BlackBerry you know, BlackBerry, and we're not forgetting some of the other players. Nokia with the Symbian yeah, although, operating system. Although Nokia is now doing Windows Phone. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got Google battling Microsoft on multiple fronts, including the smartphone. Then you have Google battling Apple on multiple fronts, including the smartphone. Uh, Now, here here's an interesting point. If you were to look at the Google versus Microsoft part of this picture, you would say that Google was the one who got there first for smartphones in that Android was more of a smartphone operating system than the old Windows Mobile operating system. Uh Uh-huh. Now, uh, so Android was able to get established in that market before Windows Phone showed up because Windows Mobile and Windows Phone are two different operating systems for phones. Right. And Windows Mobile would be the more primitive version. Windows Phone is really snazzy, but Android already had a foothold there. Uh, so the, in that case, you're talking about Microsoft trying to take down a giant. But really Google faced that same problem because in 2007, uh, the iPhone launched in, in June. And it wasn't until November of 2007 that the Android phone launched. So Apple had a big jump already. You might say, well, that's just a few months. That's not a huge deal. It was an enormous deal because Apple was able to do something that no one else had done up to that point. Apple Mm -hmm. was able to create a market for smartphones among general consumers. Right, right. Of course, BlackBerry already had a, a pretty big presence
0: You know, in the, in the, in the enterprise market for for companies. Corporate users, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, you know, you might have a PDA, but you'd use it for your personal appointments and things. You don't really necessarily need a smartphone for, and, and they were expensive at the time too. So you don't, you don't necessarily need one for your own personal use, right? Sure.
1: And it wasn't until Apple was able to show it as a consumer device, not just a corporate device. Now, the key there was to make sure that you still showed it as something that you could do Productive work on, yeah. But at the same time, show it in a really sleek and sexy and fun way. So it had yeah. lots of games, and the animation was beautiful, and the graphics were gorgeous, and the apps that they developed were really, uh, really uh, compelling apps for the most part. There were probably a couple clunkers in there, but and then opening up the app store was a brilliant move because now you just created a market for all this kind of software. It it was really you know a great uh, a great strategy on Apple's part, and they. They could not have done a better job with their launch. Mm-hmm, Whether mm-hmm. you love the iPhone or you hate it, you got to admit that their launch of that product was a complete success. Yeah. Now,
0: and, would, I'm sorry.
1: No, please go ahead.
0: I was going to point out. I, I'm I'm amused by this because uh, you know a, a couple of years ago I was asked to write an article. I don't write many articles for HowStuffWorks.com. I only have a, a small handful, but uh, on this this um, column by technology uh, writer. Nicholas Carr. Do you remember yes, this? Yes, I know Carr. And I have to,
1: uh, or I, have I know of him. I don't right. actually know him.
0: I have to laugh at this because the name of this article is how the Google Apple cloud computer will work. Yes. Because, you know, the idea was, and Carr suggested, and at the time it was brilliant. Uh, because you know, he said, Google can supply the cloud infrastructure. Apple can supply the software and the hardware,
1: which would look amazing. Which would look amazing because and App, work that's brilliantly. That's what Apple does. Yeah. yeah, Apple makes stuff that works, and it, they make stuff that looks really, really sleek.
0: Yeah, on the front end, Apple's got you know got that. On the back end, Google's got the infrastructure. They know infrastructure. They know cloud computing. Except at, that was right around the time they became enemies. Yeah, and 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 we had uh, Eric Schmidt on the board. Yeah. Of Apple.
1: Eric Schmidt, who at the time was the CEO of Google. Yeah. He was was on the board of directors for Apple. Apple. Because originally you'd say like, well, that there's not really a conflict there. Yes. Google's a huge technology company. Apple's a huge technology company, but they both serve different uh, markets. And that's when
0: everything changed.
1: Yeah. And then once they both entered that smartphone market, that really made things complicated. And there were some pretty nasty kind of digs going on. Although you could argue on the surface that they weren't necessarily digs, that you know everyone had sort of valid excuses for what they did. But you felt that deep down, there was really more of a, how can we get these guys kind of thing going on. And um, uh, I should also say that even if this smartphone thing had not happened at that time, I still find it hard to imagine a Google Apple cloud computer. And the main reason for that is because I think that Apple and Google have fundamentally different philosophies when it comes to the openness of technology. Yeah, they do. So Apple is all about creating a really locked down, closed system, the benefit of which is that you know it's going to work because you've locked it down and you're not allowing people to come in there and mess with it. And Google is – not totally open and free. It's not like it's Linux or something, yeah. but it's there is more like that than less.
0: There is a perception that Android is completely open.
1: Which is not true. Which is not true. No, it's not true. Android is more open than other smartphone operating systems out there, or most of them anyway, but it is not truly open.
0: Yeah, and so- the Mac OS is also somewhat open but not as it's not as closed as yeah. windows yeah it's not black it's and not white linux it's either. not black
1: and white but apple is definitely further along the closed part of that spectrum and google oh, is yeah. closer to the open and undeniably so, uh, so yeah you've got uh, 2007 that's when both the iphone and android phones launched now android at that time was well, it had a huge uphill battle which eventually it managed to to wage uh, successfully to the point now where you depending on whom you read uh, you'll see that the uh, Android has the dominant market share in smartphones right now. Yes. Um, There's some reports that say that that goes back and forth and it all depends on how many consumers you have who are using old smartphones and how many of them are still Android versus Apple and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But the main argument is that Android and Apple are the two big players in this space and everyone else is kind of, you know, on the boundary. Yeah. And and the other the other interesting thing to note is too in the world of apps,
0: Google had difficulty breaking into Apple's App Store.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that was one of the the digs I was talking about.
0: The, you know, Google Voice app yes. took forever to come out.
1: Well, um, and it was originally rejected by Apple. And then uh, the antitrust suit. Yeah. 2009, July 2009, Apple rejects the Google Voice app from the App Store. In September 2009, Eric Schmidt steps down from the board of directors from Apple, uh-huh. which some said would might have been at least partially in response to the app being rejected. Now, Google and Apple both say that that's not the case. Uh, There were, there was the antitrust concerns and things of that nature that were really playing into it. But, you know, people will talk, right? And then in November of 2009, Google purchased a company called AdMob, which is a mobile advertising company, Mm -hmm. right? So you've got this mobile advertising company and uh, uh, no one argues that mobile is the next really, I mean, it is the big thing. It's mm-hmm. not the next big thing. It is the current big thing in web-based technology. Everyone is grabbing onto mobile devices to access the web. Yes, whether it's uh, an MP three player that has Wi Fi capability, a smartphone, a tablet, uh, you know, the, that's or where it's really going. Even netbooks, you could argue, kind of fall into the mobile category just yeah. because they're small enough that people take them everywhere. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the mobile web is really a huge huge thing. So purchasing this this uh, AdMob mobile advertising platform was like a shot across the bow. And and plus Apple had been interested in AdMob and had yes. made an offer to purchase the company just before Google actually did purchase it.
0: Yes. So and then they countered with another purchase of their ultra wireless. Yes. Yeah. So and and now as uh anybody who has seen both an uh an Android device and an Apple iOS device, they have similar styles of advertising in the applications that you see on there. So yep. they are they're turning that into a source of revenue. And now, you know, I've seen the Bing app show up. Yep. And uh, I don't remember there being any controversy about Apple and Microsoft uh, you know, putting a Bing app in the, the App Store. That's just funny to me after all the years of Microsoft versus Apple. But yeah. we'll talk about that later. We should talk about, well, let's just take this up plus one.
1: Plus one? Plus one. Oh. Google's plus one service. Right, right, right. right. Where you can like anything on the web. Well, before we get to that, I mean, I know we're running out of time. and We're going to have to rush through this last one. But yeah. there's still some other stuff I want to talk about really quickly uh, uh, about Apple. About and Apple, okay. And the reason is that there are a couple of other fronts where they are, they are competing. Okay. Again, you've got the Chrome OS coming out. So you've got Google potentially competing against Apple products. And when you talk about that, that's a huge thing because mm-hmm. Apple does these high end computers, right? They're expensive, but they're gorgeous and they work and they're, you know, but it's, it's almost like a boutique kind of purchase, yeah. right? Cause mm-hmm. they're, they're, it's almost like an exclusivity sort of thing. Right. Google is doing the Chrome OS where all the, Hard, heavy lifting is going to be on the the um, the back end side. So you don't need a really powerful machine. So in theory, you could buy a pretty cheap computer running the Chrome OS. So that's an opposite approach from what Apple takes. So that, yes. they're going to compete in that space. You've also got Google where they launched the Chrome web browser.
0: Yes, versus Safari.
1: Safari, right. And Chrome already has, I think, depending, on, again, upon whom you read, Chrome has a higher market share than Safari does in, yes. in web browsing. I mean, I know people who have... Mac computers who – they were so happy when Chrome came out for the Mac because uh, they were not huge Safari fans. I'm one of them. And then, uh, then you also have YouTube. That's yep. renting movies now, which looks like it's competing against Apple iTunes. And then
0: there's Google Music, which will be competing with the Apple Music Service. As that- well as
1: the Amazon Cloud Player. So yeah, you've got we we're not going to talk about Google versus Amazon. We could. We could also talk about Google versus Netflix. We could talk about Google versus just about anybody. But we only have one other company we want to talk about. We're going to go really fast because this episode's going long. Yeah,
0: it was uh it was Earlier this year, not so far before we recorded this yeah, uh, in spring. Yeah, just a couple of weeks. Yeah, when they announced the – well, I was thinking about the plus one oh, feature. Oh, right. That's um, like a month. And this is – I think this sets up what we're about to talk about. Yeah. Because yeah. suddenly uh, – you know how Facebook a few years ago – well, I guess it was maybe a couple of years ago – came out with the ability to uh, use their APIs, their application programming interface. Yeah. And you could install it on your web browser and have people like stuff – on Facebook, on your own web page, yeah. if you wanted to. Well, that was pretty cool, right? So if you had a Facebook account, and more than 500 million people do, um, probably more than that now, yeah. I, I might be able to make that 600 million. But you
1: incorporate know. that into a web page, and then suddenly someone from yes. Facebook says, oh, I like this, they like it, it shares it on their wall, and then all of their friends can come and read your page. It just meant that there was an additional way to funnel people in to see your content, which is interesting because... Previously, the way that people would come and see content, there are two main ways, right? Mm-hmm. They would come to some sort of homepage to a site where they visit over and over and over again, mm-hmm. or they would use search. Right. Well, now you've got a third way, which is socially driven Uh, uh, avenues to get to content. So either you share it on Facebook where you say, hey, there's this great website. Go here. Or you go to a website that has that incorporated like button and it does it for you. Mm -hmm. And then your buddies all say, oh, well, Jonathan liked this one website. We should check that out and see what that's all about. Yeah. So in a way, that was a shot across the bow across all the search engines because now you're saying you guys used to be relevant. But now we're going to take that away from you because we're going to have it where People find information organically through their their social connections, not through just going to a search engine and typing in some words. Yep. So that was a yeah, that was a wake up call. And, um,
0: and Google answered. You know, you can do that when you have deep pockets and your employees can all spend twenty percent of their time working, working on, a on pet projects. Project, yeah. Um, with the plus one system. Yeah. Uh, so suddenly now Google is competing because you can. You know, plus one basically means, hey, I like that too.
1: Yeah, that link, that link is really useful. So I'm going to say that out of all the search results I got for this particular query, this is the one that I think is the best. I'm going to plus one that. And then when one of your friends comes on, someone who has a, you know, who's one of your contacts comes on and does a similar search, they're going to see that if they get their search result page up, they're going to see the search results that got uh, the most plus ones from their friends. And it, it, again, it's kind of like a socially driven thing. And they can even see like it, which of their friends plus one did. Mm-hmm. So they'd say, oh, what? you know, Jonathan was searching for uh uh fluid dynamics and said that this one video on non-Newtonian uh, fluid was really cool. So I want to I want to check this out. And then you could plus one and it. And then it again, it's and so, kind of on. Social, and so on social. Yeah, it's socially driving up the searches now. Someone else coming in and searching that same query may not see that because they're not your contact. So it's, it's, it's not, it's not like Wild West out there. It's not right. gonna completely, uh, uh, game the system for Google search results because that's one thing Google does not want to do is mess with their algorithm so much that it becomes useless. But it did, um, you know, people were saying, some of the tech journalists were saying,
0: look, this might be uh something that will play into Google's f- maybe possibly finally announced social networking tool. I the mean, you know, circle? You, you had Orcut, but it yeah. really didn't take off like yeah. they thought. And people have been waiting for this thing for... I don't know, years I would say.
1: Yeah, Orkut was a, a social network like Facebook. Actually, right. it is a social network. It's not gone. No. Uh, Orkut's very popular in places like Brazil and India, but never got widespread global adoption like Facebook did. So, Google has already had a history of competing with Facebook with things like Orkut, but it was Orkut was such a tiny blip on the radar for most of the world that we don't even really think about them competing because there's no competition, right? You know, exactly. If you've, got, if you've got someone who has 99% of the followers, you don't think of that as competition. Uh, well, I didn't,
0: but apparently Facebook did yeah. because they're, uh, again, as, as Jonathan mentioned, right, not right before, but shortly before we recorded this, a, a scandal came to light.
1: Yeah, uh, Facebook, um, it turns out Facebook hired a PR firm called Burson Marsteller. Mm-hmm. A very and, well known and, and pretty well respected firm. Yeah. Well, it used to be. Yeah. Respected. Yeah. It was still well known. Might uh, be even better known now. Yeah. But anyway, See, yeah. The PR firm, Facebook hired this PR firm in order to pitch stories to bloggers and newspapers that would put Google in a bad light, specifically with this socially motivated, um, search And social circle, uh, services that Google's pushing. Uh, they wanted specifically respect to privacy and how Google handles privacy. And talk about pot calling the kettle black. We've got, uh, Facebook, which is not known for being a great protector of privacy saying, Hey, Google's really in, you know, putting your privacy at danger. We want these stories to get out there. So this PR firm started to approach various people. One of the people it approached was, uh, Christopher, uh, uh, Oh gosh, I don't even know how to say his last name. I'm gonna say Safoyan, but it could be totally wrong. It's S O G H O I A N. So that's a uh, interesting. Chris, if you're out there, let me know. <laughs> anyway, the Christopher had uh, uh, received a request from the PR firm about this, and instead of running the story that the PR firm wanted them to run about Google's uh, social uh, social circle invading privacy he ran the email that the PR firm sent him. He published, he published it Uh uh, on his blog showing that this PR firm was trying to engineer this, this smear campaign USA today, same sort of thing. USA today got a a request for a story pitch about a similar kind of thing. And instead they decided to publish a story about the, the smear campaign. Right. And that's when the story really broke across all channels. And, uh, uh then later on the p r the p r firm itself was caught removing negative comments from its own Facebook page, yes, and that helped spurn the the uh scandal even further and uh you know if you're wondering about the social circle thing it's kind of this way that Google shows the people you're connected to through various means mm-hmm. like twitter and 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 Google contacts and all this kind of stuff, and then it shows the larger circle that you're connected to. Uh, from people who are connected to the people that you're, you, that are in your, your social circle. So for example, one of the people in my social circle, and it's only because I follow her on Twitter, as far as I can tell, is Felicia Day. Or right. actually Google Buzz. I think it's because I follow her on Google Buzz. Right. Is Felicia Day. But because it's Felicia Day, that means that that extra, that next step in the social circle is enormous because lots of people follow Felicia Day. Yeah. So that means that my information is also on display for all those people, but this is information that is public. Mm-hmm. It is information that you have willingly shared and allowed to be public on whatever network, like Google Buzz or whatever. Right. So, in other words, it's not like it's digging up information that is behind some sort of security. It's just stuff that's already out there. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the argument that other people have against uh, Facebook's approach was that, well, Google's just sharing stuff that you've already opted to share it's not like it's sharing information that you didn't you know you you said do not share this mm-hmm. so um yeah it's definitely a big a big uh, uh, explosive problem and you know what facebook and google have had a long history of struggles i mean there's none of them were were direct struggles like uh open id yes mm-hmm. google backed open id and open id was this idea of creating a single uh login kind of of uh account and you would use that across multiple websites. Facebook, at the same time, was pushing Facebook Connect, mm-hmm. which is similar, except it wasn't based on open standards like OpenID, and it was... Tied into Facebook tied itself. Tied into Facebook, yes. So it it benefited Facebook, but it would also benefit any site that used Facebook Connect because it meant that you were tapping into a social network that had over 500 million users. Mm-hmm. So... It's there's no there was really no surprise when Facebook Connect came out on top because even if you argue that OpenID was the better choice from a uh, just a consumer safety standpoint or uh, from a, a kind of a disinterested objective standpoint, from a let's get business done standpoint, Facebook Connect made all the sense in the world. Yeah. All right. Well, we have gone forty minutes with this podcast, so I suggest we wrap it up now. I think we, could, we should. Again, we could have talked about lots of other rivalries Google has going on, and we probably will do another episode at some point just about Google. Although I, I would suggest our next tech rivalry episode be face, you know, focus on a different company entirely. Yeah. Um, and we we've talked about similar rivalries in the past. Like I said, not just Tesla and Edison, but things like you know we've done Microsoft and Apple and. We've done a few others, but I think that this is a, a fun kind of thing to talk about, really look at the two sides and kind of see what their strategies were and their, their motivation for acting the way they did.
0: Yeah, I think, well, it's one of those central points in uh, in any story is you need some kind of conflict. So I think yeah. that's one of the reasons that we find this so fascinating. Yes.
1: Now that we've reached the denouement, let, yes. us, let us conclude. Here is our epilogue. If you would like to hear about a specific tech rivalry, let us know. You can send us an email. That address is techstuff at works or contact us on Twitter and Facebook. Our handle there is tech stuff hsw. And Chris and I will talk to you again, possibly about a rivalry, really soon.
0: Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House Stuff staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing
1: possibilities of tomorrow. The House Stuff Works iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.